I wasn't recording that. Those were some excellent, excellent jokes. Oh, man. Those were such good goofs. Yeah, don't blow your load before we even get started. I wish I could say that's the first time I've heard that today. <laughs> Welcome to Think Outside the Box Set, a podcast about learning to appreciate an artist's back catalog. I'm Nathan Hunt. And I'm Cameron DeWitt, and I've decided that I, I, I don't hate Garth Brooks for now. He's, re, he's earned my respect again. Yeah, man, me too. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this is Garth 2.0. I'm this like, is, yeah. I'm so, like, th- I think this is his best album yet. I mean, we'll get into it, but I'm so, so on too. his side now. <sighs> it's, it's a real relief. Cause like I don't know how much like entertainment I can milk out of just com- just bitching <laughs> <laughs> about how much I hate Garth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's been a roller coaster, man. But I feel like we're at we're at the top <laughs> for now. We'll see where it goes. Garth, you're, you're so hot and cold with us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you see the the little uh, black and white number he's wearing on this album cover? Uh, yeah, he's like gone to straight up ref. He was, <laughs> <laughs> but cubist he, he ref was flirting with it last time. Cubist ref because he's got like squares of black and white, not the stripe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, looks yeah, it is so ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it sort of references the thematic content of this album. You know, drawing a line in the sand, good versus bad, even some of the the racial tensions that he obliquely <laughs> gestures toward. Yeah. Yep. I I like how his shirt I'm sorry, you just like zoomed out and stuff, but I'm just gonna talk about his shirt specifically Zoom and literally in. for a minute. Yeah. Uh it's like uh it's kind of it's kinda of asymmetrical. It is. In a way that I feel like makes the album kind of work. The album artwork kind of work. What is that collar? Artwork too? Work. Hold on, I'm pulling it up that? again. It's like Whoa. It doesn't it's not a fold over. It's not it's kinda of like a straight up, but it definitely overlaps yeah it's like he's got it's almost like his his vel- his shirt is like velcro and he just like yeah. slaps the front of it onto the the back of it <laughs> oh and once once again the colors of his shirt are just very intentionally uh matching the colors of the background and oh yeah it looks like he has a disembodied hand um <laughs> just t- touching his right hip yeah and he's, he's got uh, a white cowboy hat and black jeans so it's it's yeah. all black and white, man. It makes his skin look very not white. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to make him look pretty tan. I, I wonder if they airbrushed him at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, the fonts used on this cover are really a little bit silly. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, it's just like, it's sort of like an impact font. Well, there's like four fonts here. Yeah, at least four there- fonts, yeah. Let's let's transition in, into some non-visual co- uh, commentary, <laughs> dude. Describing visuals is my favorite part of any podcast ever. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> now just imagine in your mind's eye. Oh man, if you were here, just see what I'm seeing. Oh man! Oh golly! It's almost as good as of the as the meta conversation of a podcast talking about how they're not uh, making good podcast material oh, in a yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's my second favorite thing. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Um, the chase. It was a big least dip. least country album yet. Yeah, totally. It's almost not even a country album at all. Like none it's of the songs. Barely are, country. Yeah. 
it, there was a big dip in the amount of records sold. It sold 400,000 copies in the first few weeks. Compared to Rope in the Wind, the last record, which sold 4 million as a pre-order, which is still so, so crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I think this is the beginning of Garth not being quite as huge a superstar. Interesting. Yeah, he's, he keeps releasing albums that get like 5, 7, 9 million copies, but I don't think he breaks 10 million copies again ever, except for his live album and his hits compilation. Right. Yeah. Oh, That's and super interesting, especially like given how good of an album this is. Yeah, man. This one is so much better than Rope and... Oh, my God. It's not... It's... it's It doesn't even sound like the same guy. Um, oh, by the way, the, the sales figures I keep citing are from U.S. sales. Uh, if you include Thanks, U.S. sales. <laughs> Soupy sales and his brother, U.S. sales. If you include worldwide sales, I think No Fences sold like 23 million copies, which is... That's a lot. It's too many. <laughs> <laughs> it's one too many. Yeah. Let's talk about what happened in 1992 yeah. real quick. Uh, so in Turkey, there was an earthquake registering 6.8 on the Richter scale, and it killed over 500 people. Uh, there was That's a, not very funny. A no, it's not funny. There's a bunch of crazy stuff that happened this year that's not funny at all, and I'm going to say a few of those things. Uh, there was a gas leak in Guadalajara, Mexico um, in April, and um, 215 people died. Uh, hundred, uh, Sorry, 1,500 people were injured. And then this one is insane. Uh, Hindu militants tear down the Babri Mosque in Ayodhya. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, during the Hindu it's Muslim It's pronounced writing. eponymous. Okay. <laughs> Call back. Happy pens. Uh, 2,000 people died. Uh, during the during the rioting, um, Bill Bill Printon, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bill Bill Clinton is president. First uh, sex oftenest president. Yeah. Like, did you did is you that, know? Is that true? I think so. Did you know at the time they called him the first black president? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> he had he had like a pretty good relationship with the black community. Uh, with the black <laughs> with the black the the one guy mr black yeah. um i hesitated because i realized that the black community is such a dumb thing to say and not very woke nomenclature um but he like one of his big his big like coming out debutante ball um party was on the arsenio hall show he came on and played saxophone oh man and people ate it up Also, uh, enjoy, enjoy it, 1992. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy while it lasts. <laughs> that's one of my earliest memories, in fact, is I was about, I guess I was five years old, and we went to a an elementary school so my parents could vote. And I played with like a, uh, there's like a little dummy card that they gave you. You could like poke holes in to just play with as kind of like a practice round. <laughs> and I remember... Just, just practicing for when it uh, doesn't mean anything mm -hmm. later on in your life. Mm -hmm. Just practicing for when the electoral college means that your vote is moot. Um, I, I remember, like it was, it was a, a crazy night, and I, I think this is why it stands out in my memory because I was homeschooled most of my life, and so for me, like going to a public school was like going into this den of iniquity. Like it was, it was like kind of unsettling. 
<laughs> and then also like my parents. I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> it is a den of iniquity, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Bill Clinton, uh, South Africans vote for political reforms to end apartheid and create a power sharing multiracial government. Um, and then a couple, uh, just little fun things. Aladdin came out. Oh, I remember that. It's another one of my yeah. early memories going to see that in the theaters. Yeah, I think I did too. Mm -hmm. Street rat. Uh, Miley Cyrus was born. Still, I think he's rather <laughs> tasty. And that was her first role. <laughs> she sang as an infant. <laughs> she, sang, she sang that part. Uh, Foreshadowing her eventual success. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that's 1992. Pretty buck wild stuff that year. Dude, you're forgetting something pretty major. Uh, I did just such a cursory glance. What did I forget? <laughs> Rodney King riots, man. Oh, that was 1992. That was 1992. Earlier in the year, in fact, oh, one man. of these one of these songs was written as a response to. Is the first King one? Ride. Yeah, it is. Interesting. Yeah, we'll okay. get to that. Um, oh, one more. Thanks thing. for doing my homework for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's pretty important. One more thing before we get into the song discussion, uh, Garth. If you poke around on Wikipedia, you find some really interesting and good Garth quotes. Okay, and I, I don't say that just to like set it up as 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 a as a real chuckler. Um, My body is ready. <laughs> just two dudes doing what their bodies want. Um, <laughs> they want to giggle. That's what their bodies want. Um, Garth says of this album. The Chase is definitely the most personal album I think I've ever been involved with. This is as much me as anybody. That's such a funny way to put it. <laughs> as in, I've ever been involved with. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a background singer for Ch Trisha Yearwood, that was uh, not as personal. It was my in own album released under my own name. Uh, you don't say, Garth. Written by mostly other people. <laughs> mm. He does have a song that he wrote all by his lonesome, though. I know, and I couldn't believe it when I read it, which one it was that was all him. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Teasers. His, his quote continues, This is as much me as anybody has ever seen. It was recorded at a time in my life that was probably the most trying time of my life. And I got to say, of all the albums I've ever done, this one has the best writing on it, and probably the one that I feel the strongest about. I'm very proud, and I love this album. Well, you're right. Yeah, he's That's so right. That's correct. Yeah. It's nice to know that he knows. Yeah. Because hopefully he'll be like, okay, this is where I'm going for the rest of my albums. I so that in the so. future, there won't be a podcast that breaks up. <laughs> <laughs> and a friendship ruined. <laughs> he was a precog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but only about podcasts. And friendship. And friendship. <laughs> All right, song discussion. Cam, you want to uh, tell me about We Shall Be Free, synopsize it for us? So this is a gospel song. It's, yeah. or to be... It's sort of a blue-eyed gospel. Um, <laughs> yep. It actually really reminds me of this. And I'm, gonna, I'm not just saying that because Garth is white. There's this sound that I like a lot of like when like white folks are doing like 
writing gospel music, it sounds different, and you can tell. But mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Um, also, it's and, you're, you're also referencing Blue Eyed Soul, right? Which is its own like subgenre. Yes, yeah, I'm appropriating that idea, and yeah, play that uh, funky music, white boy. <laughs> um, it this song actually really reminds me of there's this musical um that randy newman wrote what uh that's about faust it's it's faust the music it's a rock opera whoa and and james taylor plays god i mean doesn't he always in our hearts yeah uh and it actually reminds me a lot of this specifically because garth sings a lot like james taylor in this song also probably in this record in this record a lot it shows up a lot he he puts on that uh, his James Car- uh, his best James Taylor impression. <laughs> his best James Carey impression. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Somebody stop me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's smoking. <laughs> smoking. Um, so uh, where are we talking about We Shall Be Free? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to synopsize it real quick. Um, he, ha- he, this, he has a little song intro. Um, a musical theater style introduction before the song starts. He says, this ain't coming from no prophet, just mm-hmm. an ordinary man, me, Garth Brooks. He doesn't sing that part. When I close my eyes, <laughs> I see the way this world shall be when we all work hand in hand. Then the song starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he goes through a long list of um, prerequisites for what needs to happen, uh, what what things need to cease happening for us to all be free. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes through a long list, and then every chorus is, we shall be free, we shall be free, stand straight, walk proud, we shall be free, have a little faith, hold out, because we shall be free. Um, he kind of riffs on that. But uh, yeah, there's a big list of things. Some of them, they're all well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. Some of them are pretty good, and I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Some of them, it's like, okay, I see where you're coming from with this and that's a good try. And some of them are like, nope, Garp, try again. Oh, tell me some uh, of the ones that fall down for you. Uh, okay. So at the very, in the bridge at the very end, um, he says, when there's only one race and that's mankind. Yeah. That one rubs me the wrong way a little bit too. Yeah. So he, we're just now, I feel like as a society, like really, getting down to like okay color blindness isn't cool anymore mm-hmm. and that's not the answer and that's not actually helpful because what you're doing is when you're claiming to be colorblind you're um sort of repressing and ignoring your own racist tendencies mm-hmm. because you're you're not colorblind and you're erasing a pretty vital part of people yeah now ideally people are saying hey uh, I don't see you as the same as me. I see you as someone who's diverse from me mm-hmm. and I have something to learn from you and I need to listen to you because I don't understand you. Right. And that, as opposed to, hey, we all have the same values. So when you do something that's offensive to me, we can all agree that you're in the wrong because we have the same values and the same like paradigms. Mm-hmm. So anyway, a little soapbox there, but he says that uh, he says when the last thing we notice is the color of skin and the first thing we look for is the beauty within. Once again, this is a little better because like I think there is something undeniable about like the innocence of, you know, like a child not knowing 
or recognizing race. Right. I mean, I know? think he's also very consciously echoing uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So like, I think that one is a little bit better. Uh, but then there's some like, there's some, oh, and then the other thing that's a little weird is he's, he's saying stand straight, walk proud and have a little faith, hold out in the choruses. And it's, I had this sort of feeling of like, who are you talking to mm-hmm. when you say this? Are you telling oppressed people to like be patient? You know, mm-hmm. like this, like when we're recording, this is like a super, it's, it's a time where when you tell people to, to act civilized when they're angry about things that they should be angry about, mm-hmm. like people are like really railing against that. So like there's some things that I don't think quite uh quite stand up in the song, but a lot of sentiments that I basically uh am pretty down with. Mm-hmm. Um so like the first the first verse, uh when the last child cries for a crust of bread, when the last man dies for words uh that he said, when there's shelter over the poorest head, we shall be free. I'm down with that. Yep. I think it's not necessarily super convicting to most Americans, because I think most Americans probably think that that those are all things that happen other places, <laughs> um, even yeah, though maybe. it totally happens here. Yeah. You know, so that's that's not necessarily like um, to his audience necessarily very affecting. But I totally agree with it. And I kind of trust Garth and his heart and like where that's coming from. Yeah. When he says that uh, then this one's. Uh, pretty heavy hitting when we're free to love anyone we choose when this world's big enough for all different views. And then I like this line a lot, even though it's like, (laughs) it's a little silly. Uh, When we all can worship from our own kind of pew. (laughs) P-U. Everyone's got their own stink. Uh, Hey, Cameron, Cameron, you know what happens when you fart in church? You sit in your own pew. (laughs) Pretty good, huh? Uh, gross. <laughs> you go to hell. <laughs> it's one of the unforgivable. It's the 11th commandment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mortal sin. Um, God didn't in- invent farts. No, the devil did. <laughs> the um, devil made farts. So this song won a GLAAD Media Award, and GLAAD stands for Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Oh, awesome. And I think it's mostly because of that line you referenced. When we're free to love anyone we choose. Anyone we choose, yeah. yeah. And so he like won an award for it. And it's not maybe the most uh, like outspoken or um, what's the word? Like overt allyship of LGBTQ causes. But then again, this right. was 1992. And he's speaking to his audience, which yes. um, I believe... I mean, I don't have like the, the statistics, statistics or anything, but like, I'm pretty sure that country listeners uh, skew more conservative than the national right. average. Um, and and Garth was like kind of surprised at how controversial this song was. It was he he says this is another one of those quotes. It's definitely and easily the most controversial song I have ever done. A song of love, a song of tolerance from someone who claims not to be a prophet but just an ordinary man. I never thought there would be any problems with this song. Sometimes the roads we wow. take do not turn out to be the roads we envision them to be. All I can say about We Shall Be Free is that I will stand by every line of the song as long as I live. Fuck yeah. Yeah, man. More like... Yeah, Garth. More like Woklahoma. Am I right? <laughs> oh, I've been saving that one up. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. No, this is Garth. Like, it's aged nicely. 
<laughs> uh, barrel aged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Garth, Garth is just like really going for it. And I, I really appreciate that. And I admire that. Yeah. I, I referenced last week listening to part of this song and thinking it was problematic. And I, I take it all back. Um, I think I was a little bit, I, I think I had a little bit of like appropriation sense tingling, like, uh, he's sure. trying to appropriate gospel music, but I, I wouldn't say that. I think I oh, was let's, wrong. Let's talk about the music a little bit. Like this, it sounds rad. Like yeah. it sounds really good. And he's got, uh, some fantastic gospel, um, piano, uh, and some fantastic, well, it's once again, it's, it's like a little bit more on the Randy Newman side, uh, but he has some awesome gospel backup vocals. When the last child cries for a crust of bread, when the last man dies for just words that he said, when they're sheltered over the poorest head, we shall be free. It's a really good melody, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got an awesome chord progression. Yeah, and it's super catchy. Yeah, I also this was this was one that was written in response to the Rodney King riots, and I really yeah. appreciate that he didn't just write some like heavy-handed moralizing song about like oh right. don't be violent, don't do any property destruction. Right, you know, all sides are the same. Like he doesn't go for that. He 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 just like has this message of it's almost like a. a well, I know it's gospel music, but it's almost like a gospel message. It almost feels like something that would be from the Sermon on the Mount or something. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing about this album. Is there, off the top of my head, I can't think, is there any God in this album? Yeah, including there's... this song? Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit in the very last song, um, it, in the very last uh, verse. And I was re-listening again today, and I was like, wait a minute. Is this the first religious reference? And I think it might be. Yeah, but it's... There's no like praying to God to like have a have a woman fall in love with you like yeah. a fucking genie. No more of that shit. Like a rape genie. <laughs> oh, oh no. I mean, yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. Um um okay. One well. more reason to like be excited to talk about this album. Yeah, there's no what a no rape air. genies in this bottle. <laughs> uh in this lamp, that is. Um Okay, we we've we talked about this song a long time. It's really good, and I really appreciate Garth for taking a stand like that. Um, second song is called "Somewhere Other Than the Night." Somewhere other than the night, she needs to hear I love you. Somewhere other than the night, she needs to know you care, and she wants to know she's needed. But she needs and. To synopsize, it's a story song. It's the first story song um, about a relationship between a man and a woman. And it's a little hard to understand what's going on at the like uh, denotative level. I think the man is not good about expressing his connection with her, the woman, uh, which is an interesting counterpart to If Tomorrow Never Comes, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And I think as near as I can tell, this is about the thrust of the of the chorus is that Hey. Somewhere other than the night, she needs to hear I love you. She needs to know you care. She needs to know she's needed. Um, somewhere other than the night. So in the daytime, in the real world. The scene at the front is definitely like, uh, it, it, it paints a picture of, it's a rainy day, and the man 
runs into the house and he's saying, damn this rain and damn this wasted day as if he can't get any work done. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he's like out in the field. Um, and, uh, he's like really frustrated cause he's a workaholic. Oh. And then I think that's what's going on. Okay. And then, but she'd been waiting for this day for oh so long. And then here's one of the sexiest lines Garth mm-hmm. has ever uttered. Mm-hmm. She was standing in the kitchen with nothing but her apron on. Slower. <laughs> uh, and in and in disbelief, he stood and stared a while. <laughs> and he said, Awooga. Awooga. Um, <laughs> and she said, what's it to you? <laughs> Cameron. Has... And he said, I'm going to do you. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Some uh, sex. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I don't get it, Cameron. Can you uh, expand on it? For okay, Cameron. It says that she's been standing in the or that she's been waiting for this day for oh so long. Has she been waiting in the kitchen with nothing but her apron on for oh so long? Like how many days is she just standing there with nothing but her apron on? She was standing in the kitchen with nothing but her apron on, and in disbelief he stood and he stared a while. He's just so tired from like working in the field. He comes inside. She's just like <laughs> comes waving, waving, waving her spatula around, all nakies except for the apron, and he just doesn't even notice her. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's got a real work boner. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, um, so the second verse is like they spent the day wrapped up in a blanket on the front porch swing. He come to realize he neglected certain things, okay. which I can only assume refers to cunnilingus. Oh, I mean that's the only like valid interpretation I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least that's what I wrote in my note here. Oh. I just highlighted it and just wrote cunnilingus. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Um. Okay, so that that helps clear it up, I think, a little bit. But it's it's a little bit hard. It's still hard to understand what's going on in the song. I think a little bit. Dude, I understood it the first time. What's wrong with you? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think some of the things like she's been standing there oh so she's been waiting oh so long, but she's wear like got nothing but her apron on. Like what? Uh, also, like no, she she's been waiting for a day like where he would put down his work and pay attention to her. Oh. And the moment she saw it raining, she's like, "This is my chance. Oh. Time to take my drawers off, put I an see. apron on, and get fucked in the kitchen." <laughs> uh, lift up the apron and push him down for the cuddling is. Um, so that makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, dude. So, so I guess that would mean the chorus is that he has only been interested in plowing the fields, if you know what I mean, and that she needs a little <laughs> bit more than uh, just coming home late at night and wanting to wanting to uh, play a little game of bop it before going to sleep. Yeah, this. Yeah, I I would. I mean, speaking from personal experience, uh, when I enact um, afternoon delight, skyrockets in flight. <laughs> Uh-huh. I am a lot, I have a lot more energy and I'm usually like a little better at it because I'm like awake and I don't immediately fall asleep. <laughs> uh, 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 so like, flight. I mean this, like, I really appreciate this song. I can relate to it on a personal level. Yeah. And I think that it's cool that Garth is revisiting this idea of like, Hey dudes, 
it's cool that you're like working hard and providing in these like practical ways for your families or lovers or whatever, but it's not enough. And you're like probably using it to avoid intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, like, I think that's like, I'm a hundred percent behind that. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another awesome song, Garth two Dude. for two. Yeah, man. Good on you, Garth. Good All right. Cameron, on you. Tell me about song three, which is titled Mr. Right. Speaking of Garth's songs, he wrote this one. It's up to you. I'm here for years. Still not time to despair. I'm Mr. Right. Oh, Mr. Right Uh, I guess I'll try to describe the song, but I actually don't understand what's going on in this song at all. And maybe you can help me out. Mm, I don't know. It's it's a little unclear, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, first of all, musically, this this starts off with like this uh, this very jazzy hook. Yeah, I wrote and I wrote a uh, weird Henry Mancini intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very composed jazzy like. Um, uh, unison a bunch of instruments at the same time doing mm-hmm. a yeah doing that thing a real pink panther yeah <laughs> peter gunn kind of situation yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and it's super fun and uh this t- it turns into i think you could classify this as a western swing um and mm-hmm. it's like a super catchy um kind of like a jazzy country song um and uh it's pretty good the the fiddle tone is bad again yeah but other, you notice it this time yeah well <laughs> it's not as bad well i noticed it the first time don't give me that i just <laughs> i really liked the playing he was doing just uh in spite I be- of the tone i believe you said and i and i'll quote is it really that bad <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't mean we'll i didn't ch- notice it but we'll maybe it didn't bother me as much as you um i spend every every moment that i can listening to fiddles in person okay yeah you've, as you've an old-time musician so like i i think i have a right to be uppity about it yeah um i don't think it's as bad as on the first album it's not great but it's not that bad and again i like yeah, what, the, right. what the player is playing yes the 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 vocabulary is fantastic yeah um, so anyway, what the song is about, um, eh, I mean, I really can't say it seems like he's saying, um, he's setting up this dichotomy. Is this going to be a one night stand or are we going to get hitched forever? <laughs> and yeah, those are the only as, two options. As, as far as I can tell, um, he's saying like, yeah, whatever's cool with me. Let's either like just just hook up or like spend the rest of our lives together and die in each other's arms. <laughs> <laughs> like he's setting yeah. up this really weird dichotomy. That seems to be the entire song. Yeah. I mean uh, it's, is that it's it? in the line I'm Mr. Right or Mr. Right Now. Um I I think he came up with that pun and worked backward from there to oh, write obviously. this entire song. <laughs> <laughs> which I which totally I don't mind. I think that's Garth's wheelhouse. That's what he likes to do is come up with a catchy like twisty lyrical hook. Mhm. And I think he does a fine job at it in the song. Eh, I mean, he, I don't think he supports it super well. Um the no. first verse is like I'm, I am confused by yeah. what exactly he means. I th- I think so too. I the first verse is like 
Yeah, you've been turned down a lot of guys. Uh, you, you're not going to go for some ordinary guy. You've been waiting for someone who can turn your head around. Well, that's me. And either let's have a one-night stand or let's get married for the rest of our lives. Which if you choose to be my wife, I would love you all my life. I do Great everything rhyme. your precious heart allowed. Allowed. Everything. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, I think it's just... Honestly, I think it's weak songwriting. Um it's really hard to pin down what he's saying. How how like com- how much are you attracted to a person or how committed are you to this person if you're okay with either a one night stand or a lifelong marriage? Um and I I don't know. It <laughs> I feel so like weird. it's a weird thing to set it's, up. It's it's a super weird thing to set up. I think it, it almost reminds me of sort sort of like a old fashioned romance kind of tone. And I don't know if I'm thinking of like romance songs or poetry or novels or something but it's like um this it's almost like this you could read it as being so devoted to this person that whatever she wants he's gonna go for like i throw myself at your feet you can either cast me away or uh embrace me and we'll be married as long as we as long as we don't date for six months yeah (laughs) (laughs) you got to make your choice right now yeah. That's why they call me Mr. Right Now. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, it's up to you. I'm here for years or until the nighttime disappears. Yeah, what? Yeah. We get it, Garth. You're clever. I'm Mr. Right forever or just until whenever. <laughs> what the fuck, Garth? <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh, catchy enough. I, I feel like, and maybe this is like me being like racist to jazz music or whatever, but like <laughs> I want to hear um, what you're going to say after that. <laughs> now, upon like further, like when I I was saying that flippantly, but I guess like jazz music is like inherently like racial music, so I guess I should say that. But uh, do you mean like, prejudice against jazz music? <laughs> fuck. Okay. Yes, I meant prejudice. Uh, I was demeaning the term racism for co- a comic effect, I guess. Oh Fuck. no! Keep explaining the joke. That that really makes it land better. All right, so you're gonna edit all this out, right? Okay, so um, I'm gonna edit it in twice, <laughs> so people can listen to it. Two slow times. it down, <laughs> slower. Fuck! Uh, <laughs> I just got all riled up from like being pol- so political and incisive earlier. Yeah, you were you were on fire, man. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So when I'm listening to jazz lyrics, I usually turn off my brain because they're usually bad. Mm. (laughs) And I feel like these are kind of written in a jazz lyrics style where it's Mm. like just like little couplets or quatrains and they're just like flippant. And like that's when I listen to it, I don't take it seriously because I have a feeling that I'm not supposed to. I see. Which isn't to say that like that makes me love it. It just makes me not mind it because I don't feel like I'm supposed to take it that seriously. Right. You know what I'm, ta- you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, Have I, you listened to classic jazz lyrics? They're mostly dumb. Some yeah, of, them of them are, are good, dumb. but like they're mostly bad. <laughs> um, let's go on to the next song because we, we got to pick up the pace a little bit, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, so let's go on to the next song. It's called Every Now and Then. When, yes, I do think about you. Every now and then The other day I saw a car Like you used to drive And this uh, is another looking back song at someone he's lost. Uh, There's the repeated line, Yes, I do think about you every now and then. 
And he's with a new woman. And he's uh, talking about James Taylor because oh. he's, he's singing about James, like James Taylor again. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he he thinks about him in the sense that he tries to imitate him consciously. Yeah. What um, is it about that James? What is it about that guy? Um, so he, the the narrator, the speaker of the song, is with a new woman, and he says, "I love my life, and I'd never trade between what you and me had and the life I've made." But he still thinks about her from time to time, every now and then. And I, I'm interested to hear what you think about this, but I buy it. I think that this mm. song works so much better than a lot of the looking back songs. Um, it's another like sort of slow looking back song, which we've heard of a lot. Um, but like I said, this is Garth 2.0 there. Yeah. <laughs> many of the songs are not exactly. We new can ground. rebuild him. <laughs> yeah, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. Uh, many of the songs are not exactly new ground, but they are so much better better versions of songs he's done before he finally like wrote or commissioned the song that he had been trying to write oh yeah this is like yeah. his seventh try at it and he he knocks it out of the park here in yeah. my opinion um i think having lots and lots of specifics in the lyrics really helps it along um, oh yeah there's a really nice moment that's very specific where he says the other day I saw a car like you used to drive. Yeah. I got a funny feeling down deep inside. That's like a nice, like super relatable kind of insightful, like specific. Yeah. And it's a really poetical way to describe a boner too. <laughs> funny feeling deep down inside. I did a total kegel for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just one kegel. What's that going to do? Um, yeah. I, it, it also, I think it has a more more coherent statement about the situation of not sure. wanting to return to what was, um, which can be the downfall of this kind of song. But it's just a kind of a glance to say, like, I'm still reminded of this. It's still a part of me, even yeah. though I don't necessarily want to go back to it. I, be I really believe him this time when he says, I would never trade. Yeah. Like, I think he's, like, actually at peace, but he's, like, he's, like, actually doing self-reflection and not fantasizing. He's just like thinking about the way that this person made him feel and what they meant to him mm -hmm. in a way that's like, I think kind of honoring. Yeah. Oh, here's, here's a question I wanted to ask you. And this is, this will come up again in a later song, but I want to ask you death or breakup. Oh, breakup. Okay. What makes Definitely. you think that? I, th I feel like he would have milked it if it was a death song. Hmm. I see. And I, and I think it would have been like more emotional and less li light. I felt a real lightness from this song. And because hmm. he says why sometimes talking to my heart and trying to explain why sometimes I catch myself wondering what might have been like if the yeah. person died, it, you wouldn't have to explain that yeah. to yourself. That, that It'd just sense. be like, you know, you'd be thinking about it every day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be asking yourself why you you were thinking about it less often. <laughs> That's a good point. OK. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out that I almost made a masturbation joke when you use the phrase milking it, but I'm above that kind of thing. You totally are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go in for that sophomoric humor. No. That potty mouth good, talk. We we got a good album to talk about. We don't have to result to, to blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't have to make jokes. This album's really good. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I think it's a good song. Yeah. Um, I I wasn't like, I didn't love it. Um, he he makes like the same, you know, the the car 
part like he saw a car like he used to drive mm -hmm. but then later on it's like uh he hears a song on the radio and it's like you already you did that one. lyric you already did this lyric but a better one yeah you know so it's like it would have been cool for some more for a little bit more well i would have been more affected if it had had been like a little bit more specific but yeah. the song was really pretty his singing is really good on it um i mean he's really nailing his james taylor I, and I, I think lyrically he, i think it's yeah i think it's good yeah i think he adds to that i mean it's it's like you're saying it's basically the same ver uh, another version of the same lyric but he also does expand on it a little bit by saying like the song ends and he's like well i wish they'd play it again which i think is would it. be irresponsible djing <laughs> yeah i mean that's you, you don't you know you're not paying the G dj for that but uh <laughs> I do think that's a slightly different emotion than seeing a car and being like, oh, that's a car like she used to drive. Um, <laughs> oh, there's another one. Oh, yeah. Man, she she did drive a Honda Civic, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, her car had four wheels. Oh, it seems like everywhere I turn, there's another car. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next song. We're going long again. All right. Uh, jazz, baby. Yeah. Walking after midnight. <laughs> that's what I wrote. Jazz, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Austin Powers. Okay. <laughs> I go out walking after midnight Out in the starlight Just like we used to do I'm always walking after midnight Searching for you I walk from uh, This is like, um, this is an archetypal song, which is this idea that you're you're just out walking and thinking about um, either a specific person or or the person that you might one day fall in love with. Hmm. Um, and you're sort of like interacting with your surroundings, inanimate objects or animals or trees. It, it reminds me a lot of the song um, On the Street Where You Live uh, in My Fair Lady. Mm -hmm. You know this song? No, I don't. It's like, are there lilac trees? In the heart of town, can you hear a lark in any other part of town? Does enchantment pour out of every door, knowing I'm on the street where you live? I don't know if those oh, are the exact lyrics. I have heard that song. Okay. Yeah. It's like a kind of, yeah, it's like a whimsical, I'm walking around. And that's why I'm not like describing this song in specifics, because that's exactly what it is. There's a bunch of songs like this. Uh, who wrote it? Um, it's, yeah, Brooks isn't in the writing credits at all. Do you know why? It's just like, no. This song was made most famous by Patsy Cline in 1957. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of covers yeah. on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, it also reminds me of like a... I think that my favorite song in this archetype is uh, the song that's very racistly, uh, racistly called Sukiyaki, um, but it's like mm. a Japanese pop song from like the 40s or something. Why is it um, racistly called Sukiyaki? What does that mean? Well, it was uh, in, I think in the States, people were like, what do we call the song? I don't know. Call it Sukiyaki. Uh, I, I think that's like a soup. <laughs> You're right. It is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a soup. Yeah, but the song is really good and it has some like the best like old pop like <gasps> vocals I've ever heard. Oh. Wikipedia says in Anglophone countries it is best known under the alternative title sukiyaki, a term with no relevance to the song's lyrics as sukiyaki is a Japanese dish of cooked beef. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a total like 
like I don't know, call it the ramen song. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. What that is being wrong with said, people? I know it's awful, but it's a really, really good song, uh, and it's super catchy, and it's basically like the same kind of thing. It's like a you know a man walking around and just like you know kind of enjoying being lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, not in a self pitying way, but in a sort of like. I don't know, kind of like self care way almost, or mm-hmm. like in a self involved way, but not necessarily in a bad way. Yeah. I don't know. Not indulgent necessarily. Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree. Um, that I, I think some of the lyrics are super fun. There's like the weeping willow rhymed with pillow, yeah. which uh-huh. <laughs> that's super cute. I like that. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know. It's, it could be a little corny, but yeah, whatever. I'm on board. Um, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's he, fine. He does another owl. I was going to bring that up. It's another weird, like, half-hearted, ow, before ow. the solos. It's like he leaned way back to the microphone and was like, ow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also, there's a little bit more pizza gato strings in this song, which I think is Spanish for pizza cat. Delicious. Um, I love me a nice pizza cat. Mm, pizza gato. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, next song. This song is called Dixie Chicken, and this song is a cover of a song of the song. Dixie Chicken from the album Dixie Chicken by the band Little Feet, uh, huh. F-E-A-T, um, which Wikipedia oh, describes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, apparently that's an homage to the Beatles. Um, huh. The Feetles, the Beatles, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not joking about it. It is an homage to the Beatles. They did say that, but <laughs> I tried to riff on it. Um, Wikipedia describes it as New Orleans R&B. Um, yeah. So this is another story song. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a very like classic country song. There's a man who's down in Memphis under the bright lights, and he runs into a seductress Southern belle. And she teaches him a song with the lines, If you'll be my Dixie chicken, I'll be your Tennessee lamb, and we can walk together down in Dixieland. Um, and they go on a drinking spree, and they end up married, and they buy a house, which is super weird. Um, but, <laughs> oh, she leaves him for a guitar player who can really play. And then in the I final guess she verse, left me because of how good that guitarist was. I mean, he knows what to do with those fingers, man. <laughs> Playing all um, the licks. In the final verse... <laughs> there's cunnilingus again. Um, in the final verse, he runs into a bartender who knew her well. And the bartender starts singing that same song, If You'll Be My Dixie Chick and I'll Be Your Tennessee Lamb. And everyone in the place starts singing eh. along with the Dixie Chicken song. Uh, which I guess implies that she screwed them all over. Yeah. Got him. Yeah. Um, so this song, it reminds me a bit of the song That Was Your Mother by Paul Simon. Do you know that one? No, I don't. It's from Graceland. Man, you should know Graceland. Um, musically, no it, it sounds a little bit like The Weight by the band. Um, which uh, one's that? Take a load off Sal or Annie. Oh, yeah. Take a load for free. Um Sing, yeah. Wait, sing a little more. No. <laughs> you don't have to draw attention to how bad I am at singing, Cameron. Come on. <laughs> that was lovely, Nathan. Oh, thanks. I just want to hear your little bird voice. 
tweet, I mean, tweet. big man voice. <laughs> oh, take a load off Sally. Annie. Oh. I mean, Annie. God damn it. Sandy. <laughs> Why do I always sing Sally? I don't know. Take a load um, off Manny. <laughs> take a load off Danny. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, is is Fanny short for Ephanuel? <laughs> wait, what? Nothing. Never mind. Cut that out. <laughs> I'll cut you out. Um, there's, a, there's a tiny little bit of yodeling flavor in this song at, at one point, which he he really goes for it in a different song later on that we'll get to. Um, but he, he has like the barest uh, hint towards yodeling for the first Brooks time, can, I think, in his... Brooks can yodel. We know this now. Yeah. And now we can't unknow that. <laughs> and he's fucking good at it. Yeah, man. I mean, he's a he's a really good singer, man. He's so good. He's really good. In in this song, he's such a chameleon. Like in this song, he's he's a different singer. He sings with a pretty convincing Cajun affectation. Yeah. Um the the Cajun music community is sort of like peripheral and uh peripheral to the old time Appalachian music community. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of people who play Appalachian fiddle tunes also play uh, Cajun tunes mm-hmm. um, with um, fiddle and guitar and and they sing these songs and and play um, the uh, you know button accordion and um, so I've been listening to a lot of Cajun music lately and uh, the singing is like not that I'm like an expert but it's like he is spot on like mm-hmm. the way he pronounces words and the drawl of it is like I think pretty impressive. What he he has a couple things that he says that are the very Commodore Cajun. Hotel. The way he pronounces that is like yeah yeah. The way he says church bells is super Cajun. In the way he says. Um, uh, and the way she called my name, he almost says Claude my name. I I'm willing to bet like all of the things that sound Cajun in this like are sung that Garth sings. Like he he probably like pulled it right from the source. Yeah, and he's like, man, that's so cool the way they sing this. I think this was <laughs> like I think this was just like a little fun project for him. Yeah, you know, which I respect. I th- and he, I think he pulls it off really well. Yeah, I agree. Um... I know we got to move on, but I also have to say, I think this song, other than um, ma- fucking Maverick song from the last one, I forget what it's called, mm-hmm. Against the Grain, I think this song might be the most rhythmically sophisticated performance I've heard mm-hmm. in in any Garth Brooks song. The The pocket is is really impressive. Like, the way that the band plays rhythmically mm-hmm. is like, if... It feels like he had like a band come in that were like that knew this groove because mm-hmm. it's like you can feel it like the downbeat is just like the way they wait before they like stomp down on it is like it's pretty it's like insightful you know it's it's really really expertly done mm-hmm. they're not playing to a click track or if they are they're like they know they're doing something very specific and on purpose and it's really mm-hmm. subtle but it makes a huge impact yeah so like yeah i was like pretty blown away by that nice cameron synopsize learning to live again for me would you please look into her eyes and pray that she don't see 
so Garth Brooks, the literal person, um, is uh, is is recovering from a failed relationship, and he's getting back out there, and he's like trying to date again. Um, Debbie and Charlie um, uh, said they'd be here by nine, and Deb said she might bring a friend. Just my luck, they're right on time. So here I go again, and then the chorus: I'm gonna smile my best smile, and I'm gonna laugh like it's going out of style. Look into her eyes and pray that she don't see that learning to live again is killing me. So uh, they go on this double date um, and he's feeling like a real fourth wheel. And um, uh, there's actually a really cool little lyric here at little yeah. cafe table for four, but there's just conversation for three. That's such a good line. Um, and he's feeling really unsure of himself and Debbie's trying to encourage him. Uh, they get up and they dance. Um, and uh <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll get to that part later. There's a part that I really like. Uh, they go home to get, uh, they don't, they don't go home. They go to <laughs> her, they go to her porch. Uh, they don't even, you know, he gets a kiss in on the cheek and he says, can I see you again? And she said, she sort of like laughs and says, we'll see. Um, and then the, the chorus ends with, oh, this learning to l- live again is killing me. God, this learning to live again is killing me. Um, so, in any other Garth Brooks song, I would think that this would be a self-pitying, like, woe is me song. Mm-hmm. But I loved this song. Yeah, um, I kind of did too. It's, I care so much about the character in this song uh, because I feel like he's being extremely vulnerable and he's trying to overcome really actively um, his his sorrow and his grief. Uh, in, and, uh, he's like really struggling with it. And I found myself like rooting for him the entire time. Like, uh, there's a couple moments that, um, where, where is it? Oh yeah. So (laughs) she asked me to dance now her hands in mine. Oh my God. I've forgotten her name. Jesus. I do that to (laughs) everyone I meet. I mean, I dance with them and then forget their name. That that line is so funny and so like painfully awkward. Like he's yep. just floundering so hard and he's feeling so insecure. And like his friend Debbie is like, you're doing just fine. Um, and he painted such a like vivid scene of this date. And uh, I just like, yeah, I felt so invested in these characters. Um, and I just really cared about them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really nice to just uh, care about one of these characters. <laughs> it's really nice to care about anything that Garth is singing about. Yeah. I think it it's really pulled off yeah. in this song. I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. it. Um, there's a lot of great specifics here. Like you said, table for four, conversation for three. Um, it reminds me of two different Mountain Goats songs, actually. Uh-huh. Um, and going to a combined Mountain Goat slash Owen Pallet concert was one of the first times Cameron and I ever hung oh, out, dear man. listener. I forgot about that. Yeah, way back in the day. What was that, seven, eight years ago? Man, that's the first time I ever listened to Mountain Goats. Yeah, I think I think I knew that. Yeah, it was the first time I ever listened to... He was going by Final Fantasy at the time, but first time I listened to Owen Pallet. Yeah. Um, so this reminds me of a song by Mountain Goats called This Year where the chorus is, I am going to make it through this year if it kills me. me. 
which is uh, I, you can see it's obvious that it, uh, the lyric "Learning to Live Again is Killing Me" reminds me of that. But also, uh-huh. oh man, that didn't even occur to me. That's super clever. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's dumb that I didn't oh, notice that. You didn't get that? Learning to live no. again is killing me. No, it's okay. I missed all those other things we were you were making fun of me for earlier. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, it also reminds me of a much quieter, less anthemic song by the Mountain Goats called "Woke Up New." which is from an entire album of breakup songs. And there are these lines where is he's Is that from like, Tallahassee? No, it's from uh, Get Lonely. I don't have that one. Yeah, it, 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. Huh. Uh, it was right after the Sunset Tree. Um, so he has these lines where the, the song is called Woke Up New, and it's about the first time I woke up without you. Um, and he has lines oh, like... Oh, man, that song is so good. Yeah. He has songs like uh, the fir- uh, lines rather the like the first time I made coffee for just myself, I made too much of it, but I drank it all just because you hate it when I let things go to waste. Ah, oh, man. The first time I made coffee for just myself, I made too much of it, but I drank it all just because you hate it when I let things go to waste. And I wondered through... So- yeah, this this song lyrically reminded me of some of those things. Um, I think what he's getting at in the first verse... Yeah, I burned my hand, I cut my face. I think he's shaving. Right. I think he's primping himself up for the date. And he's How like, did he burn his hand? Uh, water that's too hot for shaving? I guess. Maybe. I, d- I don't know. Um, maybe he's got a curling iron and he just burns his <laughs> hand on it. Time to perm up, Garth. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have those luscious locks, those curly curls that those girls crave. The girls love that bounce. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect sync, the perfect bounce. Um, <laughs> yeah. The first time I heard it, I was like, is this a song about self-harm? Um, yeah, I thought so too. But definitely cut my face, I think, is shaving. I think burn my hand is more ambiguous. Um, it could just be... The uh, the kind of rootless flailing around that people can experience after a, a loss like this, um, which leads me to my question again, just like in the earlier song, Cameron, death or breakup? Right, right. Um, I think it could be a more 50-50 in this. Like, uh, I would believe it either way. It's definitely not specifically death, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... it. If it wasn't death, it was a re- it, it seems like it was like a, you know, 15 year marriage. Yeah, it was to big me deal. like it's like a like life altering like burned everything down breakup. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's he's devastated and this is like the first time he's emerged. All right. Next. Um, good song. Yeah, good song. Next song, not as much. Oh my god. This one's called Wait. That Summer. What, what? This wasn't affecting to you? Mm, well, it was affecting in a very different way. <laughs> Boners, right, guys? Um, this, is the, this is the most bonerific song and probably also probably the most like tr- problematic song like combined. 
Uh, I don't necessarily think it's bonerific, but we'll get into that. Um, All right. So this song is called That Summer. And I wrote in my notes, ooh, a losing virginity song. Um, like right off the bat when yeah. you saw the title. You just knew. <laughs> Not necessarily. You're so, you're so smart. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I listened to it uh, like a time or two, and then that was okay. the first thing I put in my notes. Um, they're not necessarily in chronological order as I'm listening to the song. Okay. <laughs> um, so Mine are. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, synopsis, a teenage man starts working for a widow woman and then starts working uh, her. A, t- a teenage kid is Oh, he's the a lyric. teenage kid? Yeah. I went to work for her that summer, a teenage kid so far from home. Yeah. Well, I would like to point out that in much of the United States, including the Deep South, the age of consent is lower than 18. Really? Yeah. Most of the Deep South is at 16. In fact, most of the United States is at 16, including the East Coast and the Midwest. 18 as an age of consent seems to be concentrated in the West. Really? Oregon, California, Idaho, Nevada. Um, what about the rest of the developed world? I heard that like the UK was like 16 as well. I think so. I think Germany might be like 14. Uh, don't quote me on that. Holy shit. Yeah. But but that's just the age of consent. Things like porno laws or uh, transporting minors across state lines, just kind of like those kinds of laws apply at 18 at a federal level. <clears throat> but a lot of people on the Song Meanings web service... Um, talked about this woman as if she were a pervy like pedophile statutory rape lady and i don't think that's necessarily uh, supported um but yeah that's basically it this is (laughs) this is a a teenage kid works for a widow woman and then they start boning and that's pretty much it and she takes his virginity yeah yeah (laughs) um she had a need to feel the thunder is in the chorus so that's kind of an off-putting way to describe fucking uh, he really gave her the thunder. Although, uh, chase the lightning. He's just he's just shouting at her cross <laughs> in a real in a real bass register. Yeah, he's he's giving her a Fusroda Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> Although, although the other line from the chorus, chase the lightning from the sky, and that seems like a, a pretty accurate way to talk about female orgasm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, is that the titular chase from the album title? Chase the lightning from the sky? Right. I've been wondering about that. The like, bone? what does this mean, the chase? No, I mean, none of his album titles have been overt references to the lyrics. They've been kind of like... Uh, maybe maybe they're like little marketing what about, slogans. What about Garth Brooks, the album? <laughs> you know, his song Garth Brooks. He was doing it way before Wilco made it popular. Um, now, I, th- I think maybe the album titles are like little marketing slogans. It's right. like, all right, what's going to sell? How about if we have a, a, an album called No Fences? That seems like it would uh, play well with our audience. Right. Or, or Rope in the Wind seems like the, <laughs> the most egregious offender. So, Yeah. How about how about you? What was your take on this song? Uh, I mean, yeah, I thought it was super fun. Uh, I was I was kind of into it. Um, I how I into the it story... were you? <laughs> uh, Describe in great detail, Cameron. Okay, and you can't go slow enough. Well, I took real time notes, so <laughs> like by, yeah. by the by <laughs> of of my body. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, no, at the end of the first. Uh, the first stanza 
both needing something from each other, not knowing yet what that might be. I wrote, oh shit, where is this going? It wasn't obvious <laughs> from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, from that summer. Oh, this is a song about a song about a fight with a cougar. Um, fight with and then cougar. Uh, on the air there was a thunder. Even a boy could recognize. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a couple lines here. Nothing between us but the night. I think that means they're nakies. Oh yeah. Uh, and then when I told her that I'd never, she softly whispered, "That's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's tolerable." <laughs> and then one of the strangest lyrics that I <laughs> I think I know what you're gonna say <laughs> that I've ever heard in a Garth song or any song. And then. I watched her hands of leather turn to velvet in a touch. And then I wrote, okay, so she's actually, like, actually old. She's a decrepit, like, leathery old bat. (laughs) Yeah. Or she's, like, like absorbing his youth. (laughs) It's it's some sort of supernatural (laughs) thing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you could read it as being, like... She's she's a hard worker. She I mean she's got like wheat fields and she's probably yeah. a farmer. So I mean people who work out in the fields tend to get lots of calluses. So yeah. it's not necessarily a reference to her age, but still, dude. I may say you work, 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 work. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that to me. <laughs> There's a I lot can't. of really weird lyrics in this song. Um the, <laughs> right, immediately right following right after, <laughs> Yes. Right after that. Do you want to say it? <laughs> Garth sings, there's never been another summer when I have ever learned so much, <laughs> which is just so weird and such a about like, how to bone down, about how to bone down. It's such a like so strange right. way to phrase that because it, it's, it's stated like so matter of factly and kind of like zoomed out and clinical, uh, but it's, it's just like so weird. Yeah. And at the same time, there's like this, like really st- just obviously saucy electric guitar sort of commentary <laughs> on yeah. those two lines. If you go back and listen, mm-hmm. um, it's like, it's like, wow, 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 or something. Bow, wow. Like, yeah. It's basically bound chicka, bow, wow, <laughs> brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard that joke. Yeah. There's never been another summer. Also, also, Garth not only gets boners every time that it rains, every time he sees a wheat field, he gets a big time boner. <laughs> Just because oh, of the summer. Man. He has so many Pavlovian um, <laughs> genital engorgements. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my favorite John Cage album. <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a really weird lyric um, right after that. Every time I pass a wheat field and watch it dancing with the wind, although I know it isn't real, I just can't help but feel her hungry arms again. Yeah, it's a little spooky. Once again, it's like, it's not real, hungry arms. I feel like she's some sort of ghoul. She's a she's a ghost <laughs> or some kind of boogin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. She, she, she's, that, she's that ghost that uh, goes down on... Um, uh, what's his name? Crystal Vodka guy from Ghostbusters. Crystal Vodka guy. Yeah, that's his name. You know that? You know, Isn't he it has Dan like Aykroyd? Own, yeah, Dan Aykroyd. He has his own vodka. 
Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's in a crystal skull. <laughs> Wait, he that's the one that's that's his? I know the, uh, the Kingdom yeah, of the Crystal dude. Skull. I know that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've seen it in liquor stores. Yeah, uh, that's his. That's uh, Dan Aykroyd vodka. Geez. Okay. Um, this, okay, this song, it, do- also, it doesn't... Also, I, I, th- I have another theory. There's a line, and I have rarely held another when I haven't seen her face. I think she's the one oh. that he's always talking about in every look back song. Oh, she's just possessing a uh, endless parade of women in front of Garth. <laughs> one after another just ghosting along possessing women and that's why he writes all these retrospective like oh i just can't get away from this like thinking about this woman Gotta because get she back to that ghost <laughs> yeah um this this song doesn't work for me because it doesn't make me bone out because i i don't really get the tone that it's going for it's it seems really trying to be triumphant uh which is a really weird direction to take this kind of song. You could have gone any number of ways with it. It could have been a tender, like coming of age ballad. It could have been sexy, but it's not, it's not tender or sexy. It's like this triumphant, like she had a need to feel the thunder. Yeah. It's like, dude, what? Yeah. Yeah. The, the chorus is very vague and the, the verse lyrics are very specific. Yeah. Um, it feels like just another chorus that's just sort of about vague sexual desire. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Garth has another good quote about this one. He says, That summer started out as a single guy and a married woman meeting at a party. The married woman being ignored by whom she was with. That's not how you use whom. And they snuck off together. <laughs> Alan Reynolds, which I you think... You asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know it's probably a transcription of like an oral interview he gave, but like still. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's a pet peeve of mine when people like really try to, uh, you have to try to say whom. <laughs> yeah. You, it, the only reason you say whom is cause you want to sound smart and it's like, dude, if you're going to be pedantic or if you're going to like try to reach for this thing, at least get it right. It's, it's but Nathan, but for all intensive purposes, oh God. <laughs> I'm going to start taking you, you for know. granted. <laughs> I, I, I have the same problem when I hear people say the word processes uh, uh-huh. because it's like, dude, that's not how it's pronounced. And you're just trying to do it all highfalutin so that you sound smart. And that's not how it's pronounced. Um, anyway, so the song. That's how, that's how Chris Martin would sing it. <laughs> Jeez. We're just going to be ragging on Coldplay this entire time, aren't we? <laughs> Um, Welcome to our Coldplay hate cast. <laughs> <laughs> here's a here's a Garth Brooks album. <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> this just gives us fuel for the fire to talk about how bad Coldplay is. Um, yeah, apparently the the other uh, co-writer of the song told him uh, after after they were they had the first draft of the song with the single guy and the married woman. Uh, he told him, "I don't, I just don't find myself pulling for these characters. It doesn't seem innocently cool." And Garth was like, I was thinking that he was right. And so that this song morphed into this. They wanted it innocently cool, I guess. And that's not how I would describe it. Yeah. Yeah. I mostly, I, I just sort of enjoyed the reveal and the audacity of it. And I enjoyed being surprised that there was a song about this. Really? Okay. Yeah. I felt- and, and I kind of, I, I enjoyed like... We haven't heard a lot. Of, I know this isn't literally about Garth, but we haven't heard a lot of like sort of like adolescent songs from like first person. Yeah. And I like I don't know. I kind of like appreciated that. Like he's like, yeah, I'm going to capture this specific like feeling. Um, I don't know. OK. I think he did. I think he did a pretty good job. All right. 
it's it's not as good as the Bright Eyes song. Uh, I think it's called Classic Cars. It's oh, from Casadega. Yeah, I also thought of that song when listening to this one. I was like, I I also thought, man, that's a way better version of this kind of song. Yeah. Everyone go, I don't even want to talk about that song, but go listen to Classic Cars by Bright Eyes. Uh, it's one of my very favorite songs. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Go listen to all of Bright, well, not all of Bright Eyes, most of Bright Eyes albums and all of uh, Mountain Goats albums. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Casadega, because that, yeah, he, he has like a hot uh, Nashville band playing with him. Um, yeah. Even though they play Santa Claus is Coming to Town on the first song of that album. What? Or is it the second song? Four Winds. Oh my God, that is Santa Claus. Yeah, the fiddle plays like, Santa Claus is coming to town. Jesus, how did I not notice that? Yeah, I didn't notice it at first, and someone pointed out to me. I was like, fuck, I guess I can never listen to this song ever again. <laughs> <sighs> Ruined it for me. Um, so I will go ahead and synopsize the next song, which is called Night Rider's Lament. She asked me why does he ride for his money? Tell me why does he roll for short pay? And this is another cover of a song first made famous by Jerry Jeff Walker, which is a preposterous name, but apparently the name of a country singer. Um, It was also sung by Chris Ledoux, if you remember from our very Uh, first uh, Garth album. He he gets referenced and Garth sort of helps his career along. Um, I do think Walker's version is better as the original. Uh, He's got this sort of like hoarse, regretful vocals, which I think adds a lot. Garth is like... He's got a sparkling little choir boy voice that uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it makes it a little bit harder to sort of take him seriously. Um, you mentioned it in the outro of the last episode. You you talked about it as a rodeo song, and it's not. Yeah. It is a song about a cowboy who's riding on cattle drives. And the chorus is all about, like, why does the narrator ride for money? Why do you rope for short pay? And there are various Uh, people who come into the song and ask him these questions like a friend of his sends him a letter and is like dude why do you do this thing uh his old flame asks him like why do you do this thing why do you ride for money uh he ain't getting nowhere and he's losing his share boy he must have gone crazy out there yeah man the rhymes in this are so good Mm -hmm. sorry you're you're still like synopsizing no i'm I'm done go for it so i mean this is more your forte but like the whole first, um, the whole first like four lines, uh, I don't think there's any rhymes. Like, there's nowhere, and then, okay, hold on. The fir- <laughs> fuck, first four lines, there's there's no rhymes, right? There's One night while I, while I was out. Rhyme. Yeah, but no no ending like structural rhymes. Right? No, there's not. Um, okay, and here's like the main like kind of chorus line that keeps getting repeated. Or paraphrased, and he asked me, "Why do you ride for your money? Tell me why do you rope for short pay?" Then you think the end of the course is going to end with something that rhymes with pay. 
you ain't a getting nowhere and you're losing your share, boy, you must have gone crazy out there. Yeah, it's great. It's a A B C C C rhyme scheme, which is yeah. not common. It's and it totally works and yeah, it's really interestingly constructed. Um he does kind of give us some reasons about why he would want to ride for money and rope for short pay. Um, all these people are asking him, like, why are you doing this? And he says, ah, but they've never see the nor- seen the northern lights. They've never seen a hawk on the wing. They've never spent spring on the Great Divide. And they've never hear- heard old Camp Cookie sing. Which What the fuck is that? The, the cook. The, oh, okay. The cook of the camp. The, sort of an affectionate nickname. Call him Cookie. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. That's that pretty, makes sense. pretty common old, old-timey slang. Yeah, you're so antiquated to know that. <laughs> I mean, it shows up in like Beetle Bailey, like the, the, I ha- the I army. I have not read Beetle Bailey. Okay, I used to read it when I was a kid in the newspaper. Okay, <laughs> it's not definitely not the strongest song on the album, um, but I think it's it's not bad. Um, no, and it's this is the song with the real yodeling. This dude, I'm I'm da- I'm, I'm like yeah, so dude. glad he went for it. Get that yodel, fuck yeah, yeah. It's so good. I'm really glad he went for it. Uh, he he like really draws attention to it. There's like a musical break, and then he goes into it. Um, the original version of the song, it's a little bit just like kind of more integrated. He just kind of starts yodeling as a matter of fact. And Garth is like, no, fuck it. I'm going to like stop everything and every all eyes on me. He yodel. Yeah, he, he has a moment where he sort of does like a little bit of pop meandering where he's just falsetto singing. But like the actual yodel portion of it is like just so crystal clear and so perfect and so sweet. And um, yeah, I was very, very impressed. I was mm-hmm. like, you've done it. You've done it again, Garth. Yeah. You're a really good singer. Damn, he pulled it off. There's a there's a mysterious black gym in this song and I I don't know what that Oh, oh, dude. I just read um where did I read this? It it was somewhere, it might have been on like Reddit in the Today I Learned subreddit where um like 30 or 40% of cowboys were black. What? Yeah, like in real life and you you never see them in the movies or whatnot, but apparently it was super common for cowboys to be black. Huh. So maybe it's a black cowboy, black Jim. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, last song, Cam. Face to face. Lay it on me. Face to face with the devil that you've been dead. Okay, uh, this might be, this might be my least favorite song, just in that it's sort of really, it's, it's one of his biggest efforts with, that he doesn't achieve. I feel like in every other song in this album, he's, he has a certain amount of effort and he makes it clear that he knows how much effort he's making. 
um, the, or the songwriter does or whatever. And then, and then he nails it. And this one, I feel like Garth is back to sort of reaching for something that he can't quite pull off. I would like to see this song written better in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Another of this song, but better. Uh, yeah. So face to face, um, there's uh, three different sort of scenes. Um, one is um, uh, about uh, uh, a kid getting picked on um, by a schoolyard bully. And um, but then you stood up one day knowing you couldn't stand it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's <is> funny. <laughs> That's pretty cute. I didn't notice that. At first. Yeah, me neither until I read it out loud. Uh, and your gentle hand was finally clenched in rage like um, Arthur the Aardvark meme. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, you yeah. were face to face, face to face with the wow. devil that you've been dreading. Eye to eye finally has arrived. <laughs> but yeah. bad as it was, well, now, brother, wasn't it better dealing with him face to face? Which is, like, weirdly patronizing. I don't know. Mm. Uh, and then the next the next scene is uh, a, a woman who gets sort of uh, wooed by this man, and then um, he either rapes her or beats her up or something, and then she has to testify in front of a. I think judge it's pretty and... clear that he raped her. Yeah, I think uh, so too. You begged him no. I think is is yeah. pretty clear. Yeah, um, that would make sense. This is one of those dudes who's praying to God for to make her fall in love with. Him. Oh God! Yeah. Oh, so God. he's <laughs> she has to testify um, in front of a judge and jury, and then uh, uh, it's and and then it goes back to the chorus face-to-face with the devil that you've been dreading. Uh, bad as it was, well, sister, wasn't it better dealing with him face-to-face? Uh, so this is sort of set up as like a wish-fulfillment sort of song that mm-hmm. you're finally kind of uh, encountering the person who's been oppressing you in these very clearly, you know, who's the villain, who's not kind of situations. It's which black are totally, and white, just like the cover. Yeah, which are which totally exists. Um, you know, I'm not trying to discount that, but, um, uh, yeah. And then there's like a weird, uh, last verse. Um, yeah, I think, and I don't really know what to make of this. Uh, it seems like bullshit, but I'm just going to read it. Uh, and then we'll maybe discuss it. Um, maybe, or maybe we'll just move on. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll be like, fuck that. Yeah. Um, okay. Here it is. Uh, Driving by the graveyard on a wickered... Oh, fuck. A wicker? <laughs> Witted <laughs> wimple. <laughs> With a wimp. I just, I just start reading the vorpal sword. Uh, <laughs> poem. Uh, driving by the graveyard on a wicked winter's eve, and you're wondering why a man of faith is whistling nervously. Then you stop the car and you hold your heart because you finally realize, hell... The devil ain't in the darkness or in that schoolyard bully or in the man who raped you. He's a rattling round inside. And with folded hands, you truly start to pray and your face to face. Bow, wow, wow. I, I paraphrase, paraphrased a little bit in there, but it's sort of a weird turn where it's like it contrasts these very clear just like, you know, there's these like abusers 
with like, oh, but aren't we all just sort of like an abuser at the end of the day? And aren't mm. we all like, don't we all hold a little devil inside of us? Aren't we all constantly beating up kids and raping women? <laughs> yeah. I mean, who among us could say that they're different? <laughs> really draw draw a line in the sand, Nathan. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it seems like it's like a uh, a a really weak and misinformed attempt to say something profound or yeah. or like universal, uh, especially after saying those other verses. I agree. Uh, it totally doesn't work. Yeah. So that's bullshit and dumb, but mm-hmm. it was fine. I, it was the only bullshit in this whole album. Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything more to say about that song. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's the weakest song. The oh, music okay. is fun. It's like a, yeah, like a minor key. It's kind of like the thunder rolls a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, it has a similar kind of vibe, but yeah, it's like, uh, it's best case scenario, sort of like misguided and wandering worst case scenario, like really demeaning to victims of abuse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Well, it's, the chase. Yeah. The chase. It ends with a little bit of a letdown, but damn, if this isn't the strongest album Garth has put out yet. Uh, and you know what? All of the other albums have ended with a letdown that lasted half of the album. <laughs> <laughs> and hon- true. honestly i i appreciate that garth is like i know he's not the songwriter but like i i feel like the songwriting team that he has is like sort of aspirational like they're always trying except for in the last album yeah but like like i i kind of enjoy the tension of them expending all this effort to try to say something uh it's it gives me at least something to chew on and to talk about. But like, I also kind of relate to it. Like the idea of like, Oh man, I just really want this to be meaningful. (laughs) I, I I don't mind it overall as a podcaster (laughs) reviewing it. Yes. It gives us some uh, ammunition. Um, any, any, any final thoughts on this album? I mean, just keep, keep it coming, Garth. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you one stinker. If you just keep like writing these awesome songs. Yeah. And you can let a little more country back in. I like the country. Yeah. You could let a little more country back in. I wouldn't mind. Okay. That's never been my problem. Oh, oh, also uh pander meter. Um I don't think there's ver- any pandering on this album. Yeah, well, I mean maybe a little. The the very closest would maybe be where was it? Maybe Dixie Chicken? I don't think so cuz there's like <sighs> Yeah, because because Dixie Chicken is so like specific, like the mm. I, the specific regionalism of yeah. those, like I feel like don't make it pandering. Um, I feel like the only one that might be, and this is super vaguely, but vague, but this is a reach. But Night Riders Lament maybe would give mm. it like a half ping because it's like being a cowboy sure as well, um, and at the like expense of all my other relationships mm. and. I don't think that's what the song is saying. I think it's saying that, holy crap, I'm sacrificing a lot. Um, here are some positive things about that, but Jesus Christ, I've kind of fucked up my life to be a cowboy. Um, we're running long as we always do, but very quick. Uh, let's go to the Amazon. All right. I, I'm looking at the top positive review and top critical review of The Chase, 20th, 25th anniversary edition. I'll give you the top positive review by Darla. 
And her title of this review is Right on Garth. Thanks. <laughs> she has she has two T's in Garth, so I, I think that means it's pronounced Garth. Yeah. So uh and okay. I want you to tell me if you think she's being serious or if she's trolling. Because the text of her review says, Excellent variety. I am going to recommend this to everyone. I am sure that everyone parked next to me will enjoy it also. Thank you very much. <laughs> Is that real? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> everyone parked next to me will enjoy it also? Could people who, actually like say that for real? Who, who decided that was the top uh, review? I don't know. I need to look into like how that's decided. Uh, yeah. Um, cause I don't know, man. <laughs> oh boy. The top critical review gives it two stars with the title two stars. Um, and this is the user Carl Sauer who writes about this album gift. Okay. Gift. <laughs> it was a gift and he wasn't into it, I guess. Okay. <sighs> don't, don't look a, a, a gift Garth in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I have to say to that. He'll, he'll Especially this gift Garth. Yeah. He'll, uh, he'll chomp on your little fingies. Um, okay. So I, I have... don't, don't get it too close to the album art. <laughs> don't get too close to them chompers. Um, so let's go to the song meanies. And let's start off with, I, I think the most entertaining things happened for the song that summer. And there's okay. a lot. Let's characterize it as a lively discussion about this song. Uh <laughs> I give it 10 boners. <laughs> 10 wormy boners, right up. Um, so Blinky3050 writes, uh, hmm, they could be the same age. It doesn't really say how old the widow is. Just joking. I agree with Lil Lamb. That's totally true. I also agree with Sapphire's Skies. Well, kind of. Not completely. I th okay, here's the, here's the important part. I think I'll probably like uh, take little phrases out of these reviews because they're the best part i think the leather hands thing is gross she sounds old enough to be his great grandmother a little too great <laughs> a little too great and then binky 3050 ends with for some strange reason which is unknown to me i still love this song <laughs> Binky's like really like plowing the depths of like his of his or her subconscious. Yeah, they're just like, uh, why does this song call to me? What does it mean? <laughs> A little too great, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no. Okay, I have to read this entire one. Uh, this is Silly Girl Fifteen. She writes, "True Dat." I think she's responding to a different user. Um, I've heard of such things happening before. It's not so astonishing. The age difference is a number between 1 and 90. Uh, okay. <laughs> they could pop. <laughs> Sex is fun for all ages from 1 to 90. It's a brave new world. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, they could possibly have been close to the same age. Don't judge a book by its cover or a song by its lyrics. Um... Or, a, or song. a woman by her leathery velvet skin. <laughs> leathery velvet. Um, or a songwriter by his or her songs, lol. Wait, don't judge a songwriter by his or her songs? And don't judge a song by its lyrics, Cameron. Come on. Oh, man. What do, I guess... Don't I guess judge anything by anything. This whole podcast. <laughs> we got to close up shop, Cam. Silly yeah. Girl 15 is on to us. I mean, to be fair... The judgments that I have for R. Kelly are mostly not about 
uh, his songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's got a lot of extracurriculars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, one more about that song, That Summer, and then we're going to go on an odyssey. Ooh, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> this is Comet 248. Uh, oh, no. Okay. I'm going to read the first half because it's the relevant half. Okay. Buckle in, Cam. Uh, Comet 248 writes... What are you about to read? <laughs> okay. Comet 248 writes, I'm with Sapphire Skies on this. I love this song. It's my favorite song by Garth Brooks. I mean, it's the reason I named my horse Comet. And then, quotes, she had to ride the heat of passion like a comet burning bright, rushing headlong in the wind. Uh, uh, Cameron, I think... Is this an Equus situation? I think... I think Comet 248 is fucking that horse. <laughs> Comet 248 is riding the heat of passion. Oh, no. I don't, don't like that. Uh, burning both ends of... <laughs> burning both ends of the horse. <laughs> mm. Okay. There's more than one way to ride a horse, my <laughs> grandpa always used to say. I've always felt like coitus with a horse is like chasing lightning from the sky. <laughs> Uh, and depending on uh, which way you're doing uh, it, it could be feeling the thunder too. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're uh, if you're the penetrator or the penetratee. Yeah. You know, you know, sex with a horse doesn't have to have penetration. <laughs> That's so close-minded. Guess so. That's such a stereotype. <laughs> okay, so I need to introduce you to someone, Cameron. This is a user of the Song Meanings web service named Carla Joe, and we're going to go through her comments in chronological order. Her first comment is on the Garth Brooks song, The Red Strokes, which I don't think, I think it's from a future album we haven't gotten to. Okay. Carla Joe writes, it's at, and that's her first of four comments on the Song Meanings web service. It's, it's at? That's, it's at. Okay. All, all caps, no apostrophe on it's, of course. And then she follows up that masterpiece with three comments on the song, Learning to Live Again. And let me read them to you. This is Carla Jo. She writes, in not all caps, which is rare for her to dabble in that, this kind of medium. Um, she writes, two young teenagers from two different states, Oklahoma mm. and New Mexico. The front porch <laughs> is Plains, St. Clovis, New Mexico. What? Oh, it gets better. Okay. Then later the same day, she writes, in all caps, Learning to live again. This is about two first loves, Garth and myself. The song. <laughs> yeah, strap in. The song happened in Clovis, New Mexico, or Clovis NM. Uh, I assume that's New Mexico. Yukon, OK, and Clovis NM are some distance apart. We loved and we dreamed his awesome dreams. But what two teenagers couldn't control was where they lived. I would never stand in the way of his dreams. Here, where I said, "We'll see." This meant, yes, I loved him, but I would never stand in the way of his dreams. A first love so strong brought us both to our knees. The love, the pain of letting Garth leave Clovis NM. Uh, uh, Cam, it's kind of a miracle that Garth Brooks was not murdered by Carla Joe. I think. <laughs> she, I think she, she wants to wear his does, skin, Cam. Does, does she? Does she know it's written by Don Schlitz and and Davis? <laughs> I don't think so. Cam. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. Okay. And then finally. Carla Joe writes, uh, two months later, she writes on the same song, Learning to Live Again, Clovis NM, two people are his cousins. The cafe is the old cooks. The dance is the YRB. I asked him to dance. Terry and Denise tally my girlfriend was with me. It's all about first. 
so wait, does she is in that summer? Is she saying that that's her too? No, no, this isn't that summer. This is learning to live again. Oh boy. Yeah. So uh, she, she thinks that this is this is a song version of a story that happened to her when she went on a date with Garth Brooks, I think. Oh my god. Uh in Clovis, New Mexico. Is that close to <laughs> Oklahoma, Cameron? Uh What Nathan, what if what if Brooks is Carla Joe? <laughs> <laughs> what if she did steal his skin and now she's living as him? Oh, well, <laughs> she started Singing a lot better songs, if that's the case. I say, bring it on, Carla Joe. Yeah. And that is the that's all she wrote. That was her that's final comment wrote. on uh, songmeanings.com, the website. Speaking of websites, how's that for a segue? Visit us on the web at boxset.website. Ooh. Or, or you can visit us at thinkoutsidetheboxset.com. Uh, but that just redirects to boxset.website because the .website TLD is fucking hilarious. I'm so tickled, uh, I'm yeah. so tickled by that. <laughs> Wait, we do have thinkoutsidetheboxset.com. Yeah, we as do. Well, yeah, I bought that too. But why didn't you have? Why did you have thinkoutsidetheboxset.website? Because <laughs> each .website domain is like forty bucks, dude. All right. Yeah. Um, email us with. Uh, your responses, your uh, feedback at electronic underscore mail at boxset.website. <laughs> and that's yeah, our real email address. Please do. <laughs> well, it would be really great to get some like real Garth fans. Uh, yeah. If like just, I don't know, hating this or loving it or whatever, just like tell us, inform us about how we should be engaging with, with this music. Mm -hmm. Let's wear Garth's skin, Cam. That's all. That's really what we're trying to do. <laughs> show. In a metaphorical way, not like Carla Joe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I and think... then Car and then Carla Joe uh, Garth Brooks um, uh, murdered Chris Gaines, the Australian rock and roll singer. <laughs> Sorry, wearing <laughs> took his skin. His skin too. <laughs> Little teaser for a future episode. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, I can't wait till we get to that. Oh, I, I'm going to drop so many sound samples of. Chris, Chris Gaines', Gaines. Uh, Australian accent. Ooh, it's gonna be fun. It's his ultimate. We know he's a chameleon. It's his ultimate project. Yeah, I mean this whole this whole uh, process is it's like a chrysalis, and then he comes out as a beautiful butterfly named Chris Gaines. I love how um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Synecdoche, uh, New York is just a movie about Garth Brooks. <laughs> yeah, the name Caden Catard is just a, a thin fig leaf. As a, as a thin fictionalization of Garth Brooks himself. Yeah. All right. We got to end, Cam. We got to. Okay. This podcast, Think Outside the Box set. Uh, we're signing off. I'm Nathan Hunt, and I have a need to feel the thunder and to chase the lightning from the sky. And I'm Cameron DeWitt, and I guess, I guess I'll be your Tennessee lamb. Ooh. Do, do I have to be your Dixie chicken? <sighs> it's really up to you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have a cloaca if that's a, if, if you decide to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could go for that. That sounds all right. And and I'll be delicious with tzatziki. <laughs> that's the Let's title of Garth Brooks' autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Always leave him wanting less. Oh, geez. Okay, we're done. We'll stop there. Bye, everybody. Okay. Good night. Bye. <laughs> stop. Ha, 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 ha.
You can't keep saying goodbye and goodnight. Bye-bye. You're killing me. You're literally killing me. Oh, no. Oh.